0: Start and end your day with the good news, the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news.
2: Hi, it is Angie Austin and friends. So excited to have three of my girlfriends here who are authors, speakers, writers, Christians. What I really want to get across through the good news is the light is more powerful than the darkness, yes. and in the aftermath of Vegas and the shooting there, don't want to mention the shooter's name. Feel like they just crave that attention, uh, even you know um, prior to the shooting, and then right. they want to be famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just so much going on with the fires in Northern California and the number of people who've died there and the number of people missing is really astounding which frightens me and the homes being lost and then also another story in the news that is going to kind of link into our first good news story is about Harvey Weinstein and once again we have a man who's got a lot of power a lot of fame a lot of money Harvey Weinstein Roger Ailes who former a head of Fox News and then also uh, Bill Cosby who still says he He's innocent, but not. At least in Weinstein's case, he says, I need help, and he's going off to get that, uh, and he is no longer with his company. I want to talk about that in a minute, but I'd rather start with some good news. So welcome. Um, Let's go around the table, because I often just introduce uh, the Christian uh, speakers and friends of the good news, and we don't hear much about them. So Cindy, we're going to start with you. Introduce yourself and just give us like your 30-minute elevator speech of who you are.
3: My name is uh, Cindy Marsh, and um, I am—I am I'm a lot of things. I'm a—I was in the corporate world for a long time, and sold my business about ten years ago. I still work in, and have a small business, and I—I uh, I actually make women beautiful. Love That's it. what she does. Yes, she That's makes also.
2: women beautiful, and I love it because Cindy also does a lot. With her free time, like when I'm in need, she'll say, well, let me get out my calendar and see when I can come over to help you. <laughs> I have November 7th available. And literally, it'll be like five weeks out. That's how busy <laughs> she is. But she'll give you the entire day
3: to help oh, you. Awesome. I love that. I think That's you've done great. that for me
2: four times now, four or five times just in the last six and months. And another
3: one coming up. <laughs> and another
2: one. She was I'm going to get my calendar out because I've been moving and she's really helped me. She said someone helped her do that. Yep. And it really has helped me. Like, I mean, really helped me because you get overwhelmed beatrice bruno give us your lowdown
4: well, my name is Beatrice Bruno. I'm the drill sergeant of life. Yes, you I, are. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Hey, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah is right because as I go more and more, God just shows more and more of what the drill sergeant of life is. And I help people to get over themselves, get out of their own way so they can get what they want out of life and also let go of the past because so many people are caught up in their past I that know. they can't move forward.
2: They let them bring them down. And I call yes. it I call it uh, the victim chair of life. Yes. It's lazy boy, the lazy boy legs <laughs> up. Absolutely. And it, I'm in the victim chair. I can't get up. My past is pulling me down. No, you're pulling you down. That's right. Yeah. I I help people
4: to get past that because you know what? God has a lot for us to do and there is no time to linger back there in the past and let that stuff just suck you right on in. Oh, Donna Donna Hetzler, you know that.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, uh, I'm Donna Hetzler, married my high school sweetheart, Husky, Siberian Husky lover, and we rescue Siberian Huskies. And then I founded a growing network of women called the Jericho girls and we want to shatter women's perception of other women in a negative way and we want to build each other up. We want to help you grow in business and thrive in every relationship. Amen. So it's been cool to see how God has grown this uh, yeah, this network neat. of women. It's
2: wonderful. Yeah. And when is your uh, next event that uh, where I'm speaking actually Ooh, that you'd like the, to tell people about? Yes,
1: I would love to. It's the Overwhelmed Conference. So if you are feeling overloaded and overwhelmed, you need to be with us. Angie's going to be speaking, Overwhelmed with Hope. And she's going <sighs> to give a great message about about hope And you're just going to be inspired and encouraged and not just equipped for a day. You're not going to leave there just being fluffed up, but I mean, you are going to be equipped for the whole year. So we want you to join us on That's November wonderful. 4th at the Embassy Suites. In Excellent. Tech
2: and feel free, you can email me, angieaustinnews at gmail.com if you want any more information as well. All right. Uh, I have to say you're the best smelling guest I've ever had on The <laughs> she Good News, Jennifer. D-
4: what are you wearing, wow, girl? you smell good. <laughs> it's euphoria. 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 Wow. <laughs>
5: wow.
2: Makes me feel really good. I'm happier now that you've yes. entered the room. <laughs> yes. All right, Jennifer Bishop, give us your lowdown. You were one of my first friends I made when I moved back in around Aww. the year 2000, 2001. Yeah.
5: yeah, I, you know, I just I feel so blessed and honored to be a part of this group, and Aww. you know, um, crazy morning. I think you know <laughs> we all have those crazy mornings, and this is such a grounding place for me. It's such a about place you. of love. So I've been married 27 years. Oh my gosh, Woo-hoo! I cannot believe wow. that. He was right. God it's is like so good. Just just to be married that long. God yeah. is so good, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um. My husband was diagnosed in 2001 with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, and they told him he had two to five years to live.
2: They said, get your affairs in order. Yep. Don't plan
5: anything more than three months in advance, because you'll probably be in a wheelchair. And... It has been quite a an adventure, I'll say. Still alive,
2: still walking, still, still talking, still eating. Not on a respirator.
5: No, he um, he actually made a big turn about eight years ago. We found something that um, in the natural realm that helped us tremendously. And it has changed our life, both physically and financially. And so um, I, I just feel blessed and honored to be a part of the journey of life with my husband, Stephen. And it, for those of us that have been married for a while, you know, it, it is a journey. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is, isn't it? It certainly is. It's an experience. Isn't it? my, my, it's my, such an experience. My husband is a character, and he's <laughs> so stressed out with it. Um, he's so stressed out you know, with his startup and all, and he gets so short with me and the kids, and I'll just be like, really?
1: Is it that bad at work?
2: Mm-hmm. You're gonna... I go, you snap at them. That's bad. You're going to snap at me? Like, I have been here for you. Who has your back? Like, we are a team. I am the last person you should snap at. Look at me. I am your teammate. And then he, he pretty much comes around. It's funny, too, because he'll be, like, all ordinary for, like, five minutes. Like, you got, okay, can I give you one example before we get to good news? All right. So he has to take the kids two nights a week to swim team practice. We have choir, we have training, we have pitching, we have volleyball, we have dance, we have a tutor, and we have a choir. Um, did choir. Oh, it's a talent contest. The girls are dancing in that. Okay. And that's she's about, only
4: got three kids. And that's about yes. seven things, right?
2: So I have about five of those tonight. So two nights a week, he helps me with two things, right? Okay. I put it in his calendar. It's in his calendar. It repeats. He's invited. He accepts. It has two. Two, two alerts. Alert, alert, it'll say in his email. Get your kids. Then I set an alarm on his phone. Say, don't forget, you're going to be taking the kids tonight. Don't forget the kids. Wait, there's more. Mm. I sent two texts that day. One said, remember, you are taking the kids. This is the time. This is the time you leave the house. Later on, remember. Then he comes home, sits in the driveway for like 45 minutes on the phone with a business call. Walks in. He's got five minutes to eat. I shove a burrito in front of him, and I'm like, swallow that burrito and get to swim team practice. <laughs> so then he wants to give me a dissertation. I call it his verbal manifesto of his day. And it goes on. So like I'm, not, I'm thinking, well, you know about swim team practice. So as he leaves, I text the other mothers. My husband ran late from work. He is running a little late for picking up the children. So I have done all of those things, right? The phone rings three times in a row, and I'm trying to get ready, you know, with, with my work. I finally pick up. You could have told me. Oh, oh no. I've am <laughs> swim team practice. Why didn't you say something? I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. I said, you mean the alarm, the two alerts, the calendar notification, and the two texts weren't enough? <laughs> and then I go, remember what you said about finger pointers? Oh. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll talk later. (laughs) When you
5: point that one finger, there's three more pointing back. My my daughter goes, oh my gosh,
2: dad's a total finger pointer. Uh, he says there'll be a finger pointer, and he's like totally a finger pointer.
1: Okay. <laughs> Too <laughs> you, funny. Wait, is so that a awesome. husband thing?
5: It, it wait, is. is that is it a husband help,
3: thing? They help us grow. Uh, uh, Cindy, your husband like ran no. a huge company. Is it, is it a husband thing? Angie, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm still on honeymoon bliss, and I hope it lasts <laughs> for eternity. <laughs> forever, forever. I'm here. All
6: I'm saying is here. just remind him once in a while. Aww. That helps. Help.
2: Yeah, exactly, Dave. Like, give what's him my problem? All he need is a little help. Oh, I. I <laughs> almost fell. The out husband, of, answer. I almost fell out of my chair when he said that. Couldn't you tell me? But couldn't you remind me? But so I'm like, okay, all right then. All right, I'll get better at that. Sorry, honey. Mm-hmm. But anyway, usually That's that funny. he comes back later and he says he's sorry. All right. So I have a good news story, and this has to do with girl power. Since so we're going to be talking Woo-hoo. about Harvey Weinstein and how mad I am that this, for decades, continued with this man sexually harassing women, mm-hmm. I want to focus on uh, a 130-pound high school linebacker. But there's more to it than the fact that. She All right is now. only 130 pounds.
0: Here we go. Woo-hoo. The Brandywine Bulldogs in Wilmington, Delaware, have one of the most unlikely football players in America today. And not just because this guy is so little, but because this guy is a girl.
1: I knew that I wanted to play football and I knew that I wanted to start on varsity and nothing stood in the way from it.
0: At four foot eight, Senior Felicia Perez is one of the shortest kids in her school, and she's not a kicker like many girls who play high school ball. No, Coach Isaiah Mays says Felicia came to him with a different position in mind.
4: A girl could technically play anything, um, but most of them don't say they want to play linebacker right away.
0: Felicia says it's everything she ever dreamed. For as long as she can remember, she's wanted to play football, but it took a while to convince her parents.
1: I kind of kept pushing for it. It was like, Mom, Dad, I really want to play. And they were like, okay, well, let's go sign you up. And I was like, let's go.
0: (laughs) They thought you were bluffing that you really didn't want to. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they thought I was bluffing.
0: So you called their bluff.
1: I did, I think I still do. Came to weight training and everybody started laughing.
0: The guys say it was just hard to believe that this little girl could actually contribute. It was just like,
1: you shouldn't be playing football. Then, you know, she hit me hard and I was like, all right, maybe she should be playing football.
0: (laughs) And that (laughs) was the end of that. That's that's not a
4: girl playing, that's a a football
0: player. They say no one dare laugh now.
6: You gotta protect yours, she's family to us, so.
0: That means standing up for Felicia when the other teams target her, and by all accounts, they do target her. She's had more than a handful of broken fingers, and they try to bruise her ego, too, with insults. So when you're going through all that stuff, why not just take the easy way out? We and, never
1: take the easy and way not out. not
0: play, but you would have avoided all that pain.
1: You're right, I would have, but would I be here today? No.
0: Short Girl. girl. Long View
2: okay hello former that's drill sergeant nice. yes. that's Bruno. what i'm talking about you, and were like those men got off the bus and you weren't going to let them think that because you were a woman when you were the drill sergeant you were going to let them get away with anything
4: you know what i always every cycle i chose the tallest guy okay on a male cycle <laughs> i chose the tallest guy and i said come here soldier and every last one of them would be about six foot three six foot four come here soldier and i say bend down to me and he bent down and i say if you mess up i will snatch your head off your shoulders. I will mm, down in your chest cavity, put your head back on and you will be spewing mm, for the rest of your days. Do you understand me? Joe? Sorry, Yes, Drill <laughs> Sir, And I had no problems.
1: Oh, I'm so glad I was
5: never in her.
4: <laughs> no problems. Gosh, not only gosh, that, right. but
1: take a workshop from Beatrice too. She'll have you do push-ups and all okay. sorts of stuff if you're not listening. And, Did you ever oh, yeah. find
2: it a challenge to be a female in you know, such a Male dominated arena?
4: When I first went in the Army in 77, it was very male dominated, very, and you had to show who you were at all times. You I could not it. let them punk you, so to speak. You had to show them that you were just as good, if not better than them, but we had to work five times as hard. We really did.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, Cindy, you uh, were a businesswoman uh, and you, you know, kind of started things up from the ground floor on your own. And you've given me advice about meetings and just kind of accepting your value, knowing your value going into things Mm -hmm. at times. How did you deal with men in business? Because you were, you know, you had a jewelry line and you dealt with big time, very expensive department stores.
3: I did. And I I dealt with uh, corporate on a lot of major uh, levels. (laughs) Um, You know, I... I kind of would meet people where they are and I would just look at who was in front of me. And it might be a woman too. It might not necessarily be a man. But I would look, just look at the person in front of me. And then I would just do my best in a diplomatic way to be heard and to stand up for who I was and what I was That's and cool. what I was trying to do. And I love it you told me like, believe in your value, believe in your worth when you go to you these have meetings. to. You have to. You have to be real clear in who you are, what you are, and what, what you're you have worth, to offer, and what you're asking for. Yeah. And when that's clear, um, it's not always the direct path. But uh, you just know you're at A and you want to go to B and you're going to get there.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, we're all pretty strong women. But when I worked in Los Angeles, there were definitely times when uh, I would say I, you know, shirked advances, you know, from men um, in the, the media business. And this Harvey Weinstein, uh, he now more and more stories stories are coming out. Uh, we heard from Rose McGowan, we heard from Ashley Judd. Now we're hearing for from Rosanna Arquette and Mira Sorvino who say their careers suffered because they rejected his advances. I have to tell you, one of the most telling things I read about this man came from a waitress who worked at Tribeca, located in the same office building where the Weinstein offices were located, and that he had repeated dates with young, really beautiful women. Uh, He's in his mid-60s right now. Oftentimes, the women were in their early 20s, and he would treat the waitstaff like complete dirt. He had set-up tables he had like a procedure a protocol for where they would be they were supposed to be seated at the table before he came and if they were at the bar he'd be like why are the blank are they not at the table like i told you and he would give him his orders and treat them just like dirt and i have a pet peeve besides the pet peeve about not sexually harassing and taking advantage of young women who are just trying to make it in hollywood i also have a pet peeve about People who treat people beneath them in such a shabby manner because they Mm -hmm. have the power to do so. I am stunned Mm -hmm. that he was able to buy silence with his money and his influence for all of these years. In total, 13 women that have come forward say they were sexually harassed or assaulted. And at least three said they were actually sexually assaulted to the point where, I'm sorry, normally we don't talk about such graphic topics on the show, but where they say that they were raped. Wow. And that, that, wow. that again, much like Mr. Bill Cosby, uh, at least in Weinstein's case, he's saying he needs help, and he's written mm-hmm. to friends saying, mm-hmm. hey, please back me. I'm going to get help. I still want to you know, work in the business, et cetera, et cetera. Can you guys believe how long he was able to purchase silence, and also how many big stars, because their pocketbook was attached to this man, stayed quiet? Even the women who's, uh, you know, would be adversely impacted if they turned him in themselves or rejected his advances themselves. And think about all. Oh, and by the way, Donna Karen, big time designer, mm-hmm. yep. is blaming some of the women. Says we need to, we need to look at how we dress and how we conduct ourselves. Oh, come on, please. a girl in her twenties up against a Bill Cosby, up against a Harvey that's Weinstein, right. up against a Roger Ailes. I mean, come on, that's a really difficult difficult position to put your daughter just out of college or, you know, you know, just out of high school into with some powerful, influential man that she believes no one will believe her and everyone will will believe him.
5: And often they they tell you, you,
2: you, no one will believe you. And yeah. And a lot of these girls told their friends and their friends are like, oh, yeah, she told me right away what happened. Yeah. But but they have such influence.
5: That they use that power and influence over to people. silence you. Right. And I mean, it, it's what happens with teachers or, you know, it, it's like wrong is wrong is wrong. And you hope that when we are raising kids that we teach them, you know, go to the principal. go. To, but a lot of times...
2: They're part of the problem. Look at all these uh, sure. these settlements he had. I mean, wouldn't yes. someone say to him, dude, you paid off a lot of women.
5: Like, yes. Could you knock yeah. it off? Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> There's a problem here.
4: You know, I, I think also that, it, unfortunately... <laughs> we aren't teaching our young women to have higher self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And right, to okay. value themselves yes, for yes. more than their short skirt yes. or their booty exactly. shorts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when it, they go into situations like point. this, mm-hmm. you know, they look at the situation and say, okay, well, the only way I'm going to make it is if I do A, B, or C. Let me go ahead and do A. That way I'll get my name out there and I can be who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I won't have to do these things. But we've got to nip that in the bud from the beginning and let them Build know how as they, they are. are the, like, the diamond, the yeah, important. and our
5: young men. I, I, I have a son, and That's teaching women are not objects, right. just objects. And uh, our son, he's 19, and he's a Marine reservist, and he's in college, and he's like, I want to have a relationship with a girl. I don't want to just have sex. I yes, I don't want to have... That him. is the most
2: like loved boy in the United States of America. <laughs> but I he I mean, doesn't he was brought up in that. like an egg carton of love. <laughs> Never to be broken. But he doesn't
5: feel that. He and he, uh, Like if he ever heard this, I'm sure he'd be petrified because, he, you know, he has a reputation to it, but... Yeah. but
2: He's a big muscular Marine. Oh, yeah. But I remember her, when he told you about how he wanted to have his first kiss.
5: I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that now.
5: I know. He's going <laughs> to be...
2: <laughs> He's like mom
1: <laughs> but,
2: well, but we I, I do to say, need to we raise We have our... to let our girls know that they're more valuable yes. Than they just, yes. their booty shorts yes. That they're yes. more valuable than how they look in makeup They're more valuable than how many yes. likes they get on Facebook I was shopping with my girls yesterday Saw a really cute pair, f- pair of shorts On like clearance mm-hmm. sale and I went oh these are cute And I held them up and I turned them around I mm-hmm. said oh no Hope Those are too short we don't wear Shorts like That's that right. and I right. put them back on the rack That's I great. love
5: how you say that Angie yeah, we, we don't, don't. Yeah, we because
1: don't. then it's not You
2: Yeah, 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 we don't.
1: All right, uh, again, our women's conference. Yes, Overwhelm Conference, November 4th. Find us on Facebook. Beatrice, your website. Drillsergeantoflife.com. Cindy Marsh, love you.
3: (laughs) Your website.
2: Livingyourpotential.com. Livingyourpotential.com. And then you can find out about what Jen and Stephen also uh, do for his health as well. You can find Mm -hmm. that out at her website. I take the same thing Jen takes. We'll be right back.
0: Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
2: Hey, it's Angie. All right, a great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced where... YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, They've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining, there is the craft shop, they love the roller skating, there is rock climbing, uh, putt-putt, tennis. Uh, We spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind blowingly fun. And again, It's reasonable. That's where we go several times a year. YMCAoftherockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCAoftherockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool. Angie Austin here. Being joined by the host of Rush to Reason, one of them, Dan Muir. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Angie. Great to be back on with you. All right, we have some serious stories about the Las Vegas shooter targeting aviation fuel tanks. Uh, We have a much lighter story about, I have seen butterflies everywhere lately in our neck of the woods. You and I work for one of the same stations. And, uh, I mean, I have taken at least three videos of more than 50 butterflies, like, on a bush. And it is so exciting to me. I I think it's magical. But I want to start with your story about North Korean workers prepping food, going to U.S. stores. Are you well, you have to give me the lowdown on this because that sounds extremely dangerous to me if it, if the headline is as it reads. Explain.
6: Well, at first I thought the same thing. I thought, wow, do we really want people from North Korea preparing our food? But it's really not the the fact that they could endanger our food supply. It's more the fact that they're being used as slave labor and we're the ones benefiting from it. Not only us, but so is Kim Jong-un, you know, the leader of North Korea. Evidently, what they do is they, they, they um, uh, have these... North Korean workers go to China, process food as basically slave labor, and then China pays the North Koreans 70% of the wages I mean, the the, the the government of North Korea, they pay them 70% of the wages where the North Koreans only get paid 30%, right? And not only that, but they're escorted to their jobs. They're not allowed to talk. They have no phones, no internet access. And so they're, it's basically, for all practical purposes, slave labor. Then Kim Jong-un uses this money to build his nuclear program. Whoa. He's bringing in millions, millions of dollars a year through this work program. Wow.
2: I'm, it's an AP story, um, you know, off the AP wire, and it, I'm reading about when a reporter approached a group of the North Korean workers, and uh, then a minder came over, uh, you know, someone who just made uh, a guard, uh, yes. ordering the workers to be silent, don't talk to him. So this is absolutely modern-day slavery, slavery, but obviously Kim Jong-un could potentially— Uh, do something that could uh, impact these workers to do something to the food that is brought here into America. So basically, North Koreans hired by the Chinese government, 70% of their wages given to the government of North Korea, this is $1 evil stinking man. The story is fascinating. Again, if you want to find it, and read more, it's on the AP and the title is North Korean workers prep seafood going to U S stores and restaurants. Wow. That is a doozy. I wouldn't, if I wouldn't have seen, it was an AP story. I would have not believed it. That is unbelievable.
6: All right. Yeah. I I was, I was really skeptical too. And then you read into it and you go, it makes total sense. They even show the packaging of the kind of food you get at Walmart uh, based on this. It's nuts. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah. From North Korea to China, to Walmart, and these slaves are packing our food, and they're uh, coming from a country uh, that really sees us as the enemy for sure. All right. Uh, uh, this is very surprising to me. I know you're not, but after the data breach with Equifax, so all of our info out there in the world, the IRS hired Equifax to handle taxpayer information after they showed that they you know, were not handling things properly due to the large breach of information.
6: you know, Angie, this to me just shows you how out of touch our government really is. and then once again, how inefficient they really are. And i'm just I'm just totally floored by this thinking that that the IRS would actually go to a company that had a big data breach, you know, th- hundreds of thousands of of maybe even millions of u s. taxpayers or u s citizens' records were were hacked. And then the IRS is hiring this company to make sure that the IRS records are, are safe. I just I do not for the life of me understand this story. Wow. I do not understand how our government works and why they would even do this. And, and, and you know, the other part problem about the Equifax thing is, too, is that they didn't even disclose that they had this, um, that they were hacked until months after it happened. And all right.
4: It's, how so about I
6: just, this?
2: How about this? Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure we get through all these stories. How about the Las Vegas Strip uh, uh, Shooter? So the Vegas uh, Shooter, I don't even want to use his name. Uh, no. he targeted aviation fuel tanks according to sources I mean we were learning so much about him and how much money he had. His brother was all indignant that uh, the press was questioning why he sent a hundred grand to the girlfriend and how she might be in on it in some ways like oh 100 grands like nothing to us and like you know all nasty to the reporters about it and uh, you know dude, you need to understand and have a little more empathy about what your brother did and stop talking to reporters and people the way that he did about that money. He was so nasty about it.
6: Yeah, he really was. But if you look at the, um, this is an interesting story from uh, the Las Las Vegas Review and Journal. And it shows, there's a map here that shows the layout as to where the the gunman was. And the two different, I always wonder why he broke two different windows. And they were smashed out. And and when you look at this, the uh, aviation fuel tanks were 2,000 feet away from the hotel. um, And they were about 1,100 feet away from the concert venue. And so, He did manage to pierce a couple of the tanks, but luckily the sparks did not ignite the aviation fuel. That could have been something else if that would have gone up.
2: Unbelievable. I mean, we're finding out he may have targeted another venue that he had hotel rooms there, you know, that maybe he was trying to, like, spec it out or figure out. I mean, there's so many. And, then like, his escape plan, uh, the the, ca- the cameras that he had outside the door and in the hallway to see when the police approached that maybe that he planned on escaping. Unbelievable. All right. Something that is much brighter in the news has to do with butterflies. And I have seen so many of them lately. They have overtaken the Denver metro area and other areas in this region, and I've never seen anything like it. I find it so magical and wonderful. I mean, literally to see 50 butterflies on a bush in front of my house is so wonderful. And apparently that, that there's so many of them, they've affected the National Weather Service radar imagery.
6: Yeah, they did. At first, the, uh, the, the National Weather Service thought it was birds. Because, you know, they pick up birds a lot. and uh, But uh, visual, you know, people calling in and saying, no, these are butterflies migrating. And uh, so it's just incredible. And you're right, the butterflies are absolutely beautiful. But one of the things they noticed is that the butterflies were moving in the wrong direction. They were going from the southwest to the northeast. And at first it was like, well, why is that going on? So they later speculated there was probably the wind blowing them that way because that was the the direction of the prevailing winds. Or there may have been a possible food source up there that they were going after. But yeah, Angie, these butterflies are incredibly beautiful as they fly across Denver. And um, I just thought this was a cool story that the weather radar would pick them up.
2: The whole thing about them like migrating in the wrong direction, like that doesn't even make sense to me. And why are there so many? Was it just like a great mating season or something? Are they uh, similar to rabbits in that
6: uh, arena? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like, the you know, we get the Canadian geese coming across every year, both directions. And they they do this every year. We just tend to forget about it until they show up again. And it's just uh, it's really cool. And they are beautiful.
2: Wow, I absolutely love that. Well, one of the top trending stories has really kind of blown me away. I saw the headline, and I'm like, ah, people won't be that interested in that. Well, this has really been trending. Dan Muir, one of the hosts of Rush to Reason, joining us. And Dan, the story is that more than 70% of the citizens of the United States of America fear Robots taking over our lives, says a survey. Explain this one.
6: You know what? I'm actually one of them. I mean, when you look at automated cars, uh, I'm an Uber driver. Eventually, these cars are going to take my job away. You know, they're just going to be all running around with nobody driving them, and I'll have to find something else to do. So then I thought, well, maybe I can go flip burgers. Well, it looks like the robots are going to do that too. I don't know what are we what are we going to do once these robots all take over?
2: Well, you also are a radio host, and obviously, a robot cannot actually disseminate their opinion like you do on the radio. So that's one job that's safe. And now, in terms of the cars and the Uber, that is a very interesting thought because I know you do that on the side. You're a family man with four kids, and you work two jobs in order to support your family, and you drive all night long some nights and. uh wow, I didn't even think about that. And now I know what one state, Oregon, you and I have talked about how they say no phones in the front seat. And you say that also impacts your ability to work as an Uber driver.
6: Well, absolutely. I mean, if they follow that you know law to the letter of the law, there's there's absolutely no way you could be an Uber or Lyft driver in the state of Oregon and comply with the law. Wow. And so I, I, I really think, once again, I'll go back to this. I really think it was the taxi unions uh, that were really pushing wow. that law in Oregon to shut wow. us down. That is interesting. Okay. So in
2: terms of a robots taking over, I have noticed a lot more kiosks at the fast food places. And I have to tell you, I am a people person, even though sometimes these kids mess up my order or whatever. Whenever I chat with them and say like, well, that's an interesting tattoo. What does that mean? And I'm, I mean, it's not always a tattoo, but, or how like you're piercing. No. Um, <laughs> there was a boy in the, uh, uh, the cashier. Now we know him at McDonald's and we don't go a lot, but when we do, my kids ask about his cross and ask if he was a Christian, and he said yes, and now we chat with him every time we go through. Another kid knows I'm in the news business, and he'll ask me about the news headlines. Another girl's super pretty, and every time I go through, I was say, like, you're still pretty today. You know, she giggles. She, and then the kids, you always say that to her, Mommy. Like, I just, I don't know. I like people.
6: Well, you know, Angie, that, that's so important. That personal touch is really important. But as I watch this younger generation, as you mentioned, I drive for Uber and Lyft. They are really detaching. They get in the back of the car, really? they they barely say hello, really? and they're on their device the whole time I'm taking them to where they're going. By the next time they look up out of the car is when they've arrived.
1: Oh,
2: that's really sad. They don't even like speak with you?
6: No, for the most part, they don't. And they, not only that, but they don't even pay attention to where they're going. They know nothing of their surroundings. It's just simply a means to get from point A to point B. Wow. And do, you, do you attempt to engage in any conversation with them? Well, you do you know, at first, but if they're not really wanting to engage, you know you, you don't want to be you know rude, so to speak. So you just you just let it, let it let it slide. Wow, you are one of the most uh, people oriented
2: engaging people I know. So I can't imagine. I just assumed you chatted with all these people, but here you are. they're in their phone the whole time they're in the car. I imagined all these interesting conversations, but apparently that's not the case in many cases, especially with the millennials. That is wild. All right, Dan, where do we find you?
6: Hey, you can find me and John Rush at com or Twitter at rushtreason. Thank you, friend. Thanks, Angie.
2: Author, speaker, movie maker Jim Stovall joining us. Jim is the president of the Narrative Television Network, and he's also written over 40
7: books, including
2: The Ultimate Gift. Welcome, Jim.
7: Great to be back with you, Angie.
2: Jim joins us once a week to talk about his uh winners wisdom column, and this week uh, he's talking about rules, law, and order. So what are you teaching us this week, Jim?
7: Well, rules and laws are put in place for the minority of people. you know most people would be absolutely fine if there were very few, if any, rules and laws, and uh, most of us would uh, follow the golden rule we would treat others like we want to be treated and uh you know the and the laws and the rules are put in place for the minority of people who don't seem to be able to uh, figure that out on their own and unfortunately they don't follow the rules and the problem it creates angie is too often the rules or the laws are worse than the thing that they intend to help us avoid uh, a classic example in my company we've done business uh for many years with the federal government. And every year we are uh, required to fill out these incredibly uh, detailed um, forms and paperwork and everything. And among all of that is what is called the Federal Paper Reduction Act. And we have to fill out six original copies of the Federal Paper Reduction Act. And I've done this for over 20 years. The problem is. In all my trips to D.C., and all the contacts we have, I've never found out what the Federal Paper Reduction Act is. So we fill out six pieces of paper with original signatures saying that we, we are willing to comply with this act. No one knows what it is, and it creates more and more paper that we have to ship there. Someone there stores it, and to this day, no one knows what it is. So I'm sure the intention of whatever this was was good, to reduce paper, but it actually creates more paper as we continue to kill trees and waste paper to comply with the Federal Paper Reduction Act, whatever that may be.
2: I we've talked about this before, and that it just always blows my mind about all the extra hoops to jump through, etc., uh, and the money spending just that runs rampant. Now, in terms of rules and laws, um, I agree that the majority of the time, on the majority of days, we don't have to worry about it. But then. You see things like the aftermath of Harvey, of Hurricane Harvey recently, and then you see a lot more people breaking rules and laws, but it's like survival mode when they're getting into stores and trying to get food and such. So that was an interesting twist on, you know, normally law-abiding people uh, breaking laws in order to survive, and then you know people trying to protect their property in the aftermath, but then people just trying to survive. So a little more complicating a more little more complicated instance of that uh, scenario, huh?
7: Absolutely. And that's when, uh, you know, we have this overriding thing and we create martial law, which uh, allows us to go into more of a, a military or police state, as it were. But even then, when you look at the people in Houston, I am continually amazed by the number of people who, under very stressful, painful uh, difficult, dangerous conditions. They continue to love and serve one another. They continue to uh, uh, to share what little they have with others around them. And, you know, people are coming from great distances to uh, to assist and give on their own. And there's no raw, law or rule that's requiring them to do that other than uh, just this innate God-given thing we have to be good to one another and uh, and treat them as we would like to be treated if we were in their situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've been impressed as well. Not worrying about politics or color. People are just helping, You know, coming together as, the, as Americans and as they put it, as Texans for that matter. All right. So what's the takeaway? What do you want us to learn from this article?
7: Well, anytime that we're establishing a rule or a law or, you know, just a procedure for anything, we need to make sure what are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the highest end that we're hoping for? And then make sure that the rule itself is not more cumbersome than whatever it is we're trying to avoid. Uh, You know, you you don't want to put a $10,000 alarm system on on a shed that has uh, $500 worth of stuff in it. It's just uh, the the cure becomes worse than the disease itself. And, you know, we need to make sure that the rules serve us, and we're not here to serve the rules.
2: Yeah, and comes a time when some of them, this we need to get rid of some of them as they become antiquated, per se. And I think sometimes, uh, and I know this isn't necessarily socially acceptable, but sometimes rules are meant to be uh, bent a little uh, when it comes to um, making sure that humans are taken care of. You know, there's a lot of red tape and things, and sometimes in order to do the right thing, you have to bend the rules a little.
7: Absolutely. And one of the things I'm pleased that's come out of Washington recently is this new regulation that to create a new law or create a new rule, you have to get rid of two to have a new one. And uh, you know they don't even establish what that is because they know there are so many wasteful, ridiculous rules there. That, uh, you know, if you want to pass a new law, you need to get rid of two restrictions that are in place now. And uh, we need to get rid of this because, uh, you know, we started our original Constitution on uh, basically one sheet of paper. And now it would take a semi-tractor trailer to have all the laws that we've passed in Washington. And we just don't need that many If we're just going to treat others as we would like to be treated and uh, and respect one another and love one another and, uh, you know, let Houston be our example.
2: Yeah, I think it's a lot. We make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. All right, Jim, how do we find you in your books?
7: Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, Jim dot com.
2: Anything exciting coming out soon?
7: Well, uh, next month I have a new movie that's coming out. It's a documentary I was involved in about the life of Napoleon Hill. It's called Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, and uh, I spent an uncomfortable amount of time in, in front of the camera. I'm used to being behind the camera and writing, and, uh, but uh, I actually did uh, a lot of screen time on this, and I haven't uh, gotten the final edited copy yet, so it makes me a little tense, Angie, I've got to be honest.
2: I can't wait for that one. That sounds fantastic. Excellent. Thank you, Jim. Be well.
0: Jane. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh,
2: small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the
0: number? 303-238-JANE.
2: Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. Three zero three two three eight 303 303-238-JANE. Yes, 303-238-Jane. Arcdrift.org. Does cool. uh, Arc make you feel special?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: I thought so.
0: The are
1: special.
4: Arcdrift.org. As org. are you, ma'am.
0: As are you.
2: Thank you. Do you love working for Ark? I love arc childhood obesity isn't just your child's problem i couldn't agree more arlene Pellicane, she's the author of several books including 31 days to becoming a happy mom and having healthy kids makes us happy welcome arlene
8: thanks so much for having me yeah i saw that headline on the u.s news and world report the other day. And I thought, you know what, so many times we look at our child, whether they have an obesity problem, ADD, something else. And sometimes we say like, well, that's, I guess, how it is. It's that's just how it is. But to realize, wait a minute, that's my problem. I'm the parent. That's my problem, too. And not to over own it, but to do something about it.
2: All right. That makes sense. Don't over own it, but do something about it. And Arlene, I have to say, I'm not being a judger. Because, you know, I I had heavy parents when I was little. My dad is not heavy now. He weighs about 125 or 130 pounds, and he works out. He's in his 80s, and he's very active. Uh, But he got type 2 diabetes, so did my mom, and they really tried to take control of – he really tried to take control of his health. My mom, not so much. It's the doctor's fault that they don't give the right pills or this doesn't work. And I always say, well, you know, part of this is in your your control, you know. And with that said – I don't know that I necessarily learned good eating habits from, um, you know, my childhood. However, I've uh, adopted them and I've never gotten over a certain weight myself. I've never been considered like obese. I've really tried to watch what I eat. But when, okay, here's my judging part. When I watch (laughs) The Biggest Loser and I in the past have seen parents that weigh three and 400 pounds crying because their kid's getting bullied saying, I feel guilty because I feel like I've led my child down the obesity path. You have. Yeah. And I'm sad to say that, but it's true. If you weigh 400 pounds and your child is overweight, there's a good chance that you have shown them bad eating habits. And everyone's going to say there are medical reasons people are overweight. I know there are. But in a lot of cases, it's just plain parents teaching their kids bad eating habits and not exercising with them.
8: Yeah, because the truth is they replicate what we are, what we do, and all these things. And so sometimes that motivation is simply... I can't do it for myself, but I will do it for my child. Yep. So a few of those ideas are, you know, let's say if there's one or two people in the family that are struggling with weight, that everyone in the family, let's say there's five people in the family, they'd get it on the same page and they'd say, you know what? Let's exercise once a week together, or let's say, let's take out the soda out of our diet. Even if there are some kids in your family that can, woo, chug down the soda and nothing happens to them, but that as a family, you can adopt a few, you don't have to go crazy, but a few simple habits to help each other. I think that is so healthy and And that's going to be healthy for all the kids too. Yes.
2: What a good point to treat everyone alike. So you've got the skinny kid and maybe a chunky kid. And so you take the pop away from everyone and you say, Everyone can benefit from this family getting healthier. We recently lost a family member who was in, 30s, in his 30s to cancer. And so it's yeah. really hit my husband hard. They're very close. And so he mm. started eating much more healthy uh, like yeah. I do. And so now we are eating more like as a family. So why not take the soda away from everyone yeah. and not just give it to the skinny kid because then the poor chunky kid feels left right. out and really the skinny kid isn't benefiting from the soda either. It's totally true.
8: Yeah, and if you eat together meal times as a family, that's going to help because a lot of times if you're grabbing fast food, if you're grabbing one kid is eating, another kid's eating, they're just kind of grazing in the kitchen, it tends to not be that healthy. So even gathering together as a family uh, for meals as often as you can, treating everyone alike, trying to clean up that diet for everybody, making an exercise time together, you know, whether it's riding bikes together, shooting hoops together, doing something out there together, that's going to help kids uh, to, to, from this day forward. You know, so we can't bemoan what has happened in the past, but from this day forward, how can you help your child kind of to beat that obesity? And then guess what? Your family gets a lot stronger as a result as you rally around that child.
2: Yeah, I often say to my kids, we're athletes in this family. And even though yeah. dad's the athlete, <laughs> I just walk. But they see me That's walk so during every baseball practice. They see me walk during oh. every around the pool, at swim team practice, during every one of their practices. Oh, they see me getting in my 10,000 steps.
8: I love that. I know That's I'm funny. so not an athlete. I like fall and, and don't put any wheels under my feet or anything like that. But I love that I could pretend I'm an athlete.
2: Yes, I say <laughs> we're athletes in our family. We have muscles. We're not skinny. We're muscular. We're strong. It's That's just, awesome. It, it, it's funny that um, you know that then they have put on some of their elementary school you know uh, documents that oh they're going to yeah. write about their family. My mommy's good at walking and eating apples. Those are really ah! yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Great.
8: Thank you. I love that. <laughs> The last tip I would give is focus on what you can eat instead of what you can't eat. Because a lot of times when you think of all the things you can't eat, it's like, oh, bummer, we can't eat that anymore. But to think, okay, what can we eat? And there's a whole lot you can eat. So get those apples out. Be more like Angie Austin.
2: And those uh, nuts. I mean, don't overlook nuts. It's the most delicious treat. Oh, my goodness. All right, Arlene, where do
8: we find you? It's 31 Days to Become a Happy Mom at ArlenePellicane.com. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much, Angie.
0: Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.
3: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can
2: get lucky just about anywhere.
7: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.